Hi, my name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at GT Church, and I'm so excited that you're with us today because we are right in the middle of our summer mixtape series. In this particular series, what we're doing is we're actually looking at the book of Psalms, and we actually get to handpick some of our favorites. And today, what I want to do is look at Psalm 27. You see, Psalm 27 was written by a guy named King David. Now, if you're a Christian, you've been around for any deal of time, you know who this particular character is. But why I've been drawn to him over the years is because of the way he processes faith, because of the way he processes um, suffering, because the way he reconciles kind of the, the deep, dark, painful, hard moments of life and the bright, exciting, extravagant, triumphant moments of life, all in the same picture, all in the same window. And I've been drawn to David specifically in this season that we're in. Because let's be honest, 2020 has been bananas. And as we've been walking through just kind of the, the harsher realities of what this season has looked like, it's caused all of us to kind of um, to, to begin to reimagine or reinterpret or reevaluate our faith. Because in this particular season, let's be real, we've never walked through what we've been walking through. And as I was preparing for this moment, God brought this, this funny picture to mind. This picture of a church that's, that's seated and sitting down. And it's almost as though as 2020 came about, we, we had to take a, take, a, take a step back. And we took a step back to reevaluate. We took a step back to figure out how do, how do we get through this? But I believe we're stepping into a moment, we're stepping into a day where God is saying, church, it's time to stand back up. I'm so thankful that you are watching today. And my prayer, as my prayer always is, is that you're not here just by some fluke, some coincidence, some kind of happenstance. But today, in this moment, it is almost like finely tuned and orchestrated by God for, for, for me to speak to you in this time. So, so open your ears today. Let God speak to you through his word. Because I believe that the greatest days of the church are still ahead. Let's look at Psalm 27 together, shall we? Psalm 27, verse 1 says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, now any Christian who's been around for any, any bit of time will, will stand behind that and think to themselves, yeah, amen, come on. This is a great, like, amen, pastor moment. If you've got some Kleenex beside you, wave it in your house. Come on, pastor, preach, brother, preach. That's the type of moment that is. But what David does next is fascinating because he asks a question. And depending where you are in terms of your, your Christian experience, this particular statement is either extraordinarily polarizing or extraordinarily impossible, almost unfathomable, almost like, like it, it doesn't make sense. Because what he asks, he says, the Lord is the light, my light and salvation, so why should I be afraid? It's the type of question that's almost too, too, too easy to be said, or easier said than it is to be lived out. But he continues, he elaborates, he says, the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? And again, this is a good amen moment. Amen, come on, pastor, preach, brother, preach. But, but it's harder to actually live out when you're walking through it. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they, they will still stumble and fall. Like, like, what a statement he's making there. Verse 3, though a mighty army surrounds me from all angles, 
my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Like, look at those words. If you have a pen and you have a Bible in front of you, like, like these are the type of things you underline. It says, even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. But the question is why? Confident in what? Confident in who? Well, Psalm 118, it it, it kind of parallels this, the the thought of this psalm in Psalm 27. And here in verse 8, the psalmist makes this statement. He says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. In other words, it is better to have confidence in the Lord than to have confidence in people. Now, obviously, he's not saying don't trust people. But what he's getting to is this whole idea, this whole concept that, that it's better to trust in God than to trust in people because inevitably people are going to let you down. That seems pretty gloomy. But if we're honest for a second, like, like there's, there's no such thing as a perfect person. There's no such thing as a perfect pastor or a perfect parent or a perfect um, husband or a perfect wife. No such thing as a perfect child, a perfect boss, a perfect barista. So don't put your confidence in people. Because if you live your life putting all your confidence in people, you're going to find yourself getting rattled. (laughs) He elaborates. uh, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than it is to trust in princes. There's no such thing as a perfect prince. No such thing as a perfect political party, a perfect prime minister, perfect city council, perfect mayor, perfect church board, perfect church denomination. There's no such thing as a perfect system. It is to say, don't put your confidence in anything other than God because inevitably you're going to find yourself getting rattled when that system fails, when that person fails, when that structure fails, whatever it is. And so in this particular season, we find a lot of us are feeling really, really rattled right now because the things that we put our confidence in got shooken up. But let me be honest with you, church. Jesus didn't change because of COVID. Like, like his plans for the church, the great commission, the, the, the vision of the church, the mission of the church, it all has remained the same. The other aspects of Christianity may have changed right now. And so if you've had your confidence in the other aspects of Christianity, the gathering, the things, the stuff we do, the stuff we did, yeah, of course, we're going to feel, we're going to feel rattled because our, 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 our base, our structure, our, our foundation is, is cracked. But Jesus isn't cracked. And that's why in Psalm 27, David could say things like, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Why should I be afraid? Because my confidence is in the Lord. The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? Because my confidence is in the Lord. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Why? Because my confidence is in the Lord. The almighty army surrounds me. Why won't I be afraid? Because my confidence is in the Lord. So church, as we step back up, put your confidence in the Lord. I know it's easier said than done. 
But that slight adjustment may be the single most impactful decision you make today. Carrying on. Verse 4. The one thing I seek most, or sorry, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen to those words. Wow. Like, like the number one thing that you could ask God, like if you could ask God anything in the world and God were to give it to you, what would it be? I've always been fascinated by David, drawn to David, curious by David because of the way he's wired, because of the way he answers questions like that. Because the number one thing he wants to hear from God, or he wants to receive from God rather, is to be in his presence all the days of his life, delighting in the Lord's perfections, meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. What a picture. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with, with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. In other words, worship. Now, we've, we've never been in a season quite like this. And I, and I find it interesting, intriguing, a little bit curious how the number one thing that he's longing for is to gather in the Lord's space, place, presence. Can you, can you identify with that? Or there's a sense inside of you where it's like, well, if we could just gather again. I just can't wait for the moment we can gather. And it gets, it gets so exciting. But I need to be painfully honest with you. Life-giving, life-changing, life-altering Christianity is not going to be the product of us gathering together. It, just, it, it doesn't work like that. Life-giving, life-changing, life-altering Christianity is the product of us encountering the presence of God. It's, it's, it's deeper. It's deeper. Because our gathering isn't what sets us free. Our gathering together, and oh, how I long to gather together. We long to gather together. But it's, it's the... The gathering together isn't what makes Christianity what it is. It's this longing to seek after the presence of God. I look at verse 5, where it says here, it says, He will conceal me there when troubles come. This idea of being in His presence, when we're in the presence of God, He will conceal me when my troubles come. Life-changing, life-giving, life-altering Christianity is the product of verse 5 when it says, He will hide me in His sanctuary. This isn't speaking to a specific place. It's speaking to His presence. When we're in the presence of God, that is where He hides us under His wing. He will place me out of reach on a high rock in order for him to place us anywhere we need to be close enough for him to touch us yes the gathering is important but it's not about the place it's about the person of God 
And in this particular season, as, as it's difficult for us to gather, we don't need to panic because God is still accessible. We can have confidence in the Lord, but we also need to seek the presence of God and whatever that means. And we have this unique moment in history right now to seek God in new ways, to seek God in new places, to bring the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go, right into the middle of our living room, right into the middle of our workplace, right in our drive to work, to school, to wherever we're going. We have this new unique opportunity to bring the presence of God to the people. Verse 7. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be, verse, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Like, like, think about those words. What a beautiful picture. God speaks to him. Come and talk with me. David responds, Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. Listen to the anguish, the, the anxiety in, in, in his words. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. You, you, can, you can almost picture the, the wrestle, the, the resolve, the, the remembering as he's placing back and forth and just going through his mind the, the circumstances in terms of what he's facing and what he's been through, the way God has been there before and the way God can be there now. In verse 10, he says, even if my father and mother abandoned me, like really like, like the worst case scenario, he says, the Lord will hold me close. So as we stand up, there's this element of walking with confidence, right? There's this element of seeking the presence of God and learning how to do that in this particular context right now that we're in. But there's also this element of letting our prayer life fuel our thought life. And what I mean by that is, is quite simply this, and, and, and we know this, but sometimes we just forget. <laughs> I mean, as Christians, we actually have the ability to communicate with God. Think about that for a moment. Like it, it's one thing to bring our thoughts to prayer. God, I was thinking about this. What's your, what's your perspective? Like it's one thing to bring our thoughts to a prayer. But you can also bring your prayers to your thought life. And that equation changes everything. That, that brings new meaning to Romans 12, verse 2. When you think of Romans 12, verse 2, as it says the words, uh, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Like, like how did you think that happens? <laughs> it's, it's by letting your prayers influence your thoughts. So are you struggling with uh, your purpose? Pray about it. Are you struggling with your identity? Pray about it. Struggling with your mindset, your outlook, your perspective. Struggling with your theology. Struggling with your worldview. Struggling with the way you interpret scripture. Pray about it. If you're struggling with your marriage, pray about it. Struggling at work. Struggling with your finances. Struggling with life. You pray about it and you allow your prayer life to impact your thought life. And it's extraordinarily important that we do this. 
It's extraordinarily important that we as Christians see prayer not just as a, a, a Christian discipline um, checklist to, to notch off the, the, the checklist, but we see it as a fundamental core piece of our Christian faith. The fact that in this season, although we may not be gathering in a building, we have just as much access to God as we ever have. And God has just as much desire to be a part of your life than he ever has. And God wants to move in you and through you in ways that you never even thought possible. And we need to access those thoughts through prayer. Verse 11. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things that I've never even done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. This idea to, to stand up again. To, to, to walk with confidence in the Lord. To, to learn to seek the presence of God in this moment. To allow our prayer life to influence our, our, our thought life. It's all accentuated by, by this next point, this whole idea of asking God to show us what our next step is. You see, I love verse 11 as it says, Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. It is to say that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, knows how to live my life better than I. And so this idea, this notion of saying, okay, Lord, you saw this scenario, you saw 2020 before I even existed. So God, in this moment, can you show me what to do next? And to be honest with you, your next step may very well be to start a relationship with God to, to, to become a Christian. There's a, a number that's popping up on your screen right now. And, and you, can, you can send us a text. Just let us know that, hey, God's speaking to you right now. Or, or on the side of your computer there, if you're watching church online, you can click the raise a hand button. That raise a hand button is your way of just saying, hey, I hear you, I hear what you're saying. Because let me tell you, listen, like, just as much as God was a part of David's story, God wants to be a part of your story. And you can have that same relationship with God that David had, the same relationship with God that I have. And I, and I get what you're thinking, because listen, I didn't grow up to, in church. And, and, and I remember hearing the pastor speak at one time and say, say things like I'm saying right now and, and allude to this idea that there's a God out there who cares and wants to be a part of your life. I remember thinking, man, that sounds super flaky. There's no way that could be real. That sounds too good to be true. But listen, when I encountered God for the first time in my life, everything changed. And everything can change in your life as well. So shoot us a text. Click that button. Begin that next step. Let God show you how to process what's going on around you because you don't have to walk by yourself. Your next step might also look a lot like reevaluating your prayer life and the priority you placed on it. Because sometimes we, we reduce prayer to a discipline, like this kind of checklist, checkbox type system where we do it once and then we're done. 
But we literally have the ability to talk to God. So talk to God like your prayers matter. Because they do. God cares. Maybe it looks like reevaluating the things we put our confidence in. Maybe you're watching today and you're feeling rattled. Lean into the Lord. Pivot. Make the adjustments. Maybe it looks like reevaluating your schedule and setting some time to seek the presence of God in your own life. Because God doesn't just exist inside of a building. He's just as accessible in the middle of your room right now. Lean into him. I'll close with verse 14. David ends the psalm with three little sentences. He says, number one, wait patiently for the Lord. As we move on from today, wait for him. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Be a follower of Jesus. Follow him. Let him lead you. Number two, be brave and courageous. The world right now needs to see Jesus more than ever. And you're a part of that story. You might be the answer to somebody's prayers. So be brave. Be courageous. Walk this out. But number three, he reminds us of point number one. He says, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Again, let God lead you. God cares more about his church than you do. God cares more about your neighbor than you do. God cares more about this city, this community, this island, this world than you do. Let him lead you. Can I pray for you? Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you that you're real. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done in the past. I thank you for your hand in our lives in terms of where we are going. The fact that we don't have to walk alone is not, not lost by me, Lord. I'm thankful for that. So Jesus, I pray for each and every person watching right now. God, that you would give them ears to hear you. That you would give them eyes to see you. That you would help them to be brave and courageous as they take those steps to stand tall. And I pray that, God, that you would give them the endurance and the encouragement and the peace that it takes to wait patiently for you to show up in ways that we never could have possibly imagined. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.